Welcome to the Audacity to Podcast, episode 200, Achieving Success Through Podcasting with John Lee Dumas. Thank you for joining me for the Audacity to Podcast. I'm Daniel J. Lewis, and this is the award-winning how-to podcast about podcasting. It's where I give you the guts and teach you the tools to launch or improve your own podcast for sharing your passions and finding success. I cannot believe this is episode 200. I remember when I started the Audacity to Podcast, and it was just because I had something to say in the space, and I wanted to teach people how to podcast better. And here we are, 200 episodes later, and I'm still going strong, still have plans to continue. I might change a couple things up in the near future in how I approach the podcast and some of the branding with it, maybe. But to celebrate episode 200, I want this episode to be very valuable to you. So I've brought on John Lee Dumas, host of Entrepreneur on Fire, as we talk about podcasting success and what that is and how he has achieved it. And the goal here is not to intimidate you or to realize that, wow, he had a lot of money when he started and he has a lot of money now. Just lop off a couple zeros from any of the numbers that he mentions, and then it will seem more real as something that we can start out as an initial goal to try to achieve. So instead of trying to get to 30,000 listeners, try to get to 300 listeners or try to get to 3,000 listeners. You can set your own success and use the story that John Lee Dumas will tell and all of his illustrations and his techniques. Use these as ways to inspire you to achieve your own greatness. I'm very thankful to you for listening to the Audacity to Podcast. Maybe you're just joining me and you've got lots of archived episodes to go through. Maybe you've been with me since the very beginning. I really appreciate your listening. I'm excited about this. I am thrilled to have been podcasting for 200 episodes with the Audacity to Podcast. There are two things I want you to do from this episode. One is go to the show notes for any of the links and resources and information that we share here in this episode. And those will be at theaudacitypodcast.com slash JLD success. That stands for John Lee Dumas. Theaudacitypodcast.com slash JLD success. Those are the show notes for this episode, number 200, where you can get those resources and other information that we mention. Also, because Thanksgiving is this week in the United States, and also Christmas is coming up soon, there will be a lot of podcasting deals going on. And I really want to share these with you. So sign up for a special mailing list that I've created where as soon as I find a deal, I'll send it out to the mailing list. So you might receive several emails in a day with different deals, but I really want you to take advantage of some great deals that are out there. For example, last week, the week before Thanksgiving, the Logitech C920 webcam, which is my favorite webcam, really nice webcam, was on sale for 50% off, only $50 when it normally sells for $100. That is the lowest price I have ever seen it before. I shared that out with my mailing list. Several people picked one up, picked up a couple of them. I really wanted to get a couple. It's just, it wasn't in the budget. But if you're interested in receiving these podcasting deal alerts, as soon as I find them through the Thanksgiving season, Christmas season, and then during the year, I might send out 
instant deal notifications as well if I find something really good worth sharing, but it's primarily during this holiday shopping season. So if you want those, go over to theaudacitypodcast.com slash deals and sign up for that list where I'll send you those podcasting deals. So let's get into this great interview with John Lee Dumas. He's host of Entrepreneur on Fire, a very successful daily entrepreneur interview show that he launched in 2012 with the idea of getting the content that inspires people to be more powerful entrepreneurs and finding those stories from great entrepreneurs out there who have found success and struggled through things or have been inspired by things. He has been going strong. He's made millions of dollars from his podcast. He makes more money in a single month than I think many of us make in several years. And it's very much tied to his story of podcasting success, what he's put into this, how he continues to approach this. So please don't be overwhelmed by the numbers that he shares. Instead, be inspired and see how you can create your own success and strengths based on your own personality. John, give me a bigger picture of where are you right now with your podcasting success? So with Entrepreneur on Fire, our last month total downloads were 973,000. So we just uh, snuck under the million under the million unique listen mark, which was pretty disappointing because I wanted to be able to say we got a million <laughs> listens, which I cannot say honestly, but uh, hopefully this coming month we will. And we did uh, $253,000 in gross revenue. And uh, we just actually crossed the overall um, 11 million download mark. And that 253000 is for the month of October. Wow. That is awesome. Congratulations on the big Thanks. success. You really deserve all of this success that you've had because you've worked so hard on it. And we'll get more into how much work you put into that. But I want to jump back to that moment when you were launching your podcast how big was the platform that you had before you launched the Entrepreneur on Fire podcast? And what was existing back then? So that's a pretty easy answer, Daniel, because nothing was existing. None of my previous careers had anything to do with the online world. There was no Twitter account. There was no Facebook fan page. There was no try and fail podcast prior to Entrepreneur on Fire. It was really my first uh, shot in the entrepreneurship world, but it did follow a number of pretty big failures in just the traditional space of law, corporate finance, of commercial real estate. And it was my, my first big try and I just went all in. So you had no platform of your own back then, not like Fire Nation, Entrepreneur on Fire, no online brand before you launched the podcast? Yeah, and I remember when I hired Jamie Tardy, my uh, my actual mentor. She said, "Oh yeah, so let's kind of go over like what you have right now, you know, so we can kind of see what to leverage during launch." And we went over. It. She's like, um, "You have nothing to leverage." <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, "I'm sorry." So when you left your full time job, well, you were making about six figures in your previous job, right? Yeah, low six figures, you know, between 100 to 150 a year, depending on bonuses and commissions. And that is a lot higher than the average person who's launching their podcast would be earning. But when you left your job, no doubt you had some kind of emergency plan or a savings account or something. How much did you set aside to enable you to pursue this launch and to launch? How much did you have in a, a emergency fund, basically? 
So my emergency fund was just about six figures. I was about $120,000 in the savings. You know, that included my retirement accounts though too, which I was definitely willing to drain for this venture. I was in a situation where I did have no debt whatsoever, which was really huge. You know, I went to college on an army scholarship, so no college debt. Um, You know, I really, I owned my car and, you know, I didn't have any of those big drags. And so I did have a decent runway. Um, and I did have that emergency $120,000. And I will say my previous job to leaving for podcasting was commercial real estate, which is one of those professions that, you know, you can kind of take a break from and then come back to. It's not like you've completely lost your spot in line, so to speak. So I knew I did have some fallbacks and some cash to rely on to really try to make this work. So how much did it cost you to launch your podcast and really get the momentum behind it, which is a, not just that single day process of getting in iTunes, but the, the longer process after you've launched? What did that cost you? The total investment, if you include everything, Daniel, was about $20,000. Wow. I mean, there was a large investment in Jamie Tardy, my mentor, which was about $5,000. And then I joined Cliff Ravenscraft's podcast mastermind, which was $3,500 for the year. You know, I immediately went to a couple of conferences that, you know, with travel and with staying with the tickets, you know, that those were $1,000 trips each, you know, all the equipment I was taking or I was investing in, and then also all the courses that I were taking, it just added up. And, you know, over three, four, five months, you know, before I knew it, I sunk about 20K into this venture before I even launched my podcast. What doubts did you have when you were starting to launch, especially with paying $20,000 out over right. time? <laughs> Tons of doubts all over the place. Specifically, you know, my my mentor Jamie Tardy and um, somebody who you know I'm now really good friends with, and I've always respected a ton. Cliff Ravenscraft, who was running the podcast masterminds, you know, both of whom gave me incredible knowledge and incredible information and guidance that I used during my journey. But one area they were really questioning in my journey was the seven-day-a-week format. They were saying, John, you're going to get burnt out. Your listeners are going to get burnt out. Um, you're going to run out of guests. You know, you're going to do this. You're going to do that. And I mean, you know, who was I to kind of question that? Because you know, here were what I consider some of the top people in the industry. And that was definitely making me nervous. So there was doubts everywhere. Um, I, I didn't even know if I was going to wake up the next morning and iTunes was just going to be like, oh yeah, we're not going to support podcasting anymore. I mean, I had a couple of those dreams and, you know, I woke up being like, I really hope that was a dream. And, uh, you know, it was a big question mark when I launched. I just didn't know if it was going to be something that people resonated with or something people hated. And, you know, I knew that I was going to be very um, naive and experienced and just frankly poor as a podcast host for quite some time. And I was hoping that people would stick through me with that, you know, as I got hopefully a little bit better every interview that I did. So these were just all doubts that were going through because I had no experience. I had no online presence. I had no interviewing experience. I was starting from zero on almost every single level. The only thing I really had going for me were really two things I had going for me was I was determined to make a work and I did have a runway of finances to allow me to at least give it that opportunity. Did you have any kind of fail-safe plan or a backup or a timeline of if this doesn't work by such and such, then I need to do this other thing? Yeah, my timeline was about 18 months. So 18 months from launch. So that would have been 
probably like in the middle of 2013 was when I would have been like, okay, like my 18 months, I've given it the honest effort. If there's no traction, you know, I'm going to go back into what's comfortable, which is commercial real estate. I'm going to, you know, put the suit back on and go back in. And, and that was kind of this, this very, very far in the future in my mind, at least at the time, um, fail safe that I definitely did not want to see happen. And, but even just having it there made me work even harder because I'm like, wow, I do not want that to end up being the reality. I really want to make this work because I was loving every second of it. Awesome. And if you had talked to me back then when you were talking about launching a daily show, actually, I think we met in New York City, Blog World, New York City. I think so. At uh, Cliff Ravenscraft party there at John's Pizzeria. Mm-hmm. I didn't know you were just launching or had just launched your podcast around then. But I was still two and a half months away from launching okay. at that point. Yeah. And The Daily Show is definitely a big part, I think, of your success because the more content you're putting out, the more people are finding you, the more people are promoting you because they were in your content. So you're getting seven times the promotion as anyone else who just has a weekly show. So when you look at then your podcasting history, like comparing it to a weekly show, with your daily podcast, you've basically got about three and a half years worth of content if you were looking at it from a weekly show perspective within your first six months. And that's about the time when you started making money from your podcast. So six months to you, but for the average weekly podcaster, that might be three and a half years. So what do you think really contributed to your success six months in? Well, of your two initial points that you made, Daniel, the latter is definitely the key contributor, which is the commingling of audiences, but specifically at the beginning, because I didn't even have an audience, was just the promotion of Entrepreneur on Fire from my seven-day-a-week guests. So every single morning, my first interview that went live was from XYZ Guest, who was getting an email from me saying, Seth Godin, Tim Ferriss, Gary Vaynerchuk, your interview just went live. You rocked it. I'd be honored if you shared it with your audience. Here's all the links to do so. And nine times out of 10, they were sharing with their audience, which was exposing Entrepreneur on Fire to a brand new audience, seven days a week, some of which were listening, some of which were subscribing, some of which were becoming evangelists. And that was the snowball effect that just didn't stop. And if I had done it once a week, like you uh, shared earlier, you know, I would have had you know, such less number of people. I mean, 50 people, you know, in a year, as opposed to 365 people in a year sharing Entrepreneur on Fire. You know, I would have built up 300 less really powerful relationships of people that then either had me on their show or guest blog on their site or speak at their conferences. I mean, all of these things happen from the relationships that I built and that all snowballed into the success of Entrepreneur on Fire. So when you got your first sponsor six months into this, how did you get that sponsor and what were your download numbers per episode like around that time? So that exact story all started with a phone call. It was a phone call by a guy by the name of Jeff Ulrich, who is actually a past guest of Entrepreneur on Fire. He's the founder of a um, basically a, a podcasting network called Earwolf, and he's founded a company early in 2013 called The Midroll. And at that time, he is really kind of big into the comedy space. So he had a lot of comedy podcasts that he was taking kind of control of their sponsorship revenue and was saying, hey, I'll go out there and I'll connect you with sponsors. But he was also seeing that there was a great opportunity to do the same thing in the business sector. And he wanted to break into the business sector as well. So 
He had listened to my podcast a few times. He immediately saw the potential of a seven day a week show, aka 30 episodes per month, 30 times to potentially get sponsored um, per episode, or sorry, per you know month and having a potential of two sponsors per episode, you know, there's 60 sponsorship slots right there for one month. And he saw that possibility. And so we set up a phone call. He reached out to me via email and we chatted and he was just saying, hey, this is what I can do for your company. You know, I think that um, some sponsors that I already have relationships with would love to get in front of your audience. What are your download numbers at per episode? And at that time, they were kind of hovering between 2,000 to 3,000 listens per episode. And that's a key thing, Daniel. Like so many people come to me. It's probably the most asked question that I get with, uh, with podcast sponsorships is, John, you know, I, I'm, I'm getting 1,000 downloads a day. Or, John, I got, you know, 10,000 downloads last month. I'm like, nothing matters to sponsors except for downloads or listens per episode. That's all the sponsor cares about because that's what they're sponsoring is an actual episode. So Jeff really taught me that, you know, it's at the six week mark that you can really go back to and see what those average downloads per episode have been for the past number of of actual episodes. And then you can use that number as your CPM going forward. And so over that one weekend, Jeff set up three full-time sponsors for me for Entrepreneur on Fire. And that was a phone call on a Friday. By Monday, I had three full-time sponsors. And the next month started a couple days later. And that month, I think it was April, I generated over $12,000 in sponsorship revenue for that month alone. And a lot of that is because you had so many episodes for them to sponsor. Was every episode in that month sponsored? Every episode in that month was sponsored and it was at a low dollar amount. But like you said, multiply that by 60, which is what I was able to do because I had two sponsors per episode, um, times 60, it added up to $12,000 per episode and that, or per month, sorry. And that really was the game changer. How much were you getting per sponsorship per episode then? What was that CPM? So the actual breakdown um, is a 15 second pre-roll which you get $18 CPM, and then a 60-second mid-roll, which you get $25 CPM. And adding those together, because we always have packaged them since day one, if a sponsor buys a pre-roll, they have to buy the mid-roll too, and vice versa. So that's a total of a $43 CPM is going to get you a 15-second pre-roll, a 60-second mid-roll. And that's, in today's terms, with Entrepreneur on Fire, where I'm now getting 30,000 listens per episode, is about $1,300 for one sponsor to sponsor one episode, which is why last month we were over $60,000 in sponsorship revenue. Great. Yeah. And with the downloads per episode, that's an important metric for sponsors, but even more important for their bottom line is your actions that your audience takes. So were you finding that your audience was responding really well and taking action on the sponsors? I think so. And the reason why I say I think so is because a lot of those sponsors that I've had are still sponsors with me to this day. I mean, LegalZoom, 99designs were my first sponsors, and they're still sponsoring Entrepreneur Fire to this day. So their ROI, that return on investment, has to be positive for them to keep doing this month after month. And they track it very closely because, you know, for instance, with 99designs, it's 99designs.com slash fire will get you a $99 power pack. But what that really does is that shows them what their CPA is, what their cost per acquisition is. And the same thing with LegalZoom. If you use promo code fire, you know, you get whatever off. And so that's really important for them to track. And they're not going to keep sponsoring unless they're seeing those results. But to be completely transparent, they never share those with me. So I don't know what 
what those conversions are. I don't know what LegalZoom, Squarespace, 99designs are actually doing CPA-wise, but I know they keep coming back for more buys. That's great. So looking at where you are today, I want to dig into your present circumstances here. What is your monthly cost of living? So if you strip everything down into just like what my monthly cost of living is, it's about $5,000 a month. And a big chunk of that, um, we do have a really nice place here in San Diego where our rent is $31.50 per month. So that takes a big chunk out of our, uh, of our 5K that we typically are around for just cost of living. Um, but, you know, we only have one car and we, uh, we don't really have a, a high kind of expensive lifestyle. So we, we keep it under 5K. And then what does it cost to keep the podcast running and everything that you're doing then with the podcast, all of its expenses, what's that like per month? So the overall expenses for Entrepreneur on Fire, just running the actual podcast is, is actually less than $2,000 a month. And you know that's with everything. That's with our CRM. That's with our hosting fees. That's with our ongoing virtual assistants. And we have three of those. Um, all of that stuff keeps it at about under $2,000 just running the actual podcast. Now, we have a lot of other expenses you know, that we choose to do, like paid advertising or paid traffic. Um, you know, also, we include um, in our actual monthly income reports other expenses um, like travel and things along those lines um, and our total expenses, you know, which we do itemize at, in every monthly income report. But the podcast itself is under two k Okay. And for many podcasters out there, they're thinking, I'm not even earning that much. But the thing is, it takes money to make money. And you've totally made a big investment here into this. And your most profitable area now is Podcasters Paradise, right? Yes, by far. So what's it costing you to run that? Like, are you paying your contributors, the people who co-host webinars with you and such? So we've never paid any actual contributors to Podcasters Paradise as far as like people who have gone and done tutorials for actual Podcasters Paradise. Um, they've always contributed more for brand awareness and just because you know they're enjoying the community and they want to add to that and they have a great expertise in certain areas. Uh, we do a lot of joint venture webinars and we've actually even done you know a lot even this this month specifically has been a big one where a joint venture webinar specifically is somebody will say, Hey John, like I love podcasters paradise. I think my audience will love it too. You know, how about I email my list to show up to a live webinar that you'll give. And at that point, you know, it's typically a commission split. So people that will actually do JV webinars for podcasters paradise, whatever the sales are on that live webinar, they'll get 25% of that overall revenue that we've done during that live webinar. Okay. Now you're raising the price for Podcasters Paradise. It's raised officially. Okay. I, I remember seeing an email just recently saying, last time for Podcasters Paradise, nice subject line, by the way. <laughs> no, it said no more Podcasters yeah, Paradise. It. <laughs> uh, so it's now a higher price and the value of Podcasters Paradise is going up regularly because you're totally. adding more and more content. And also you're getting more and more money from this as it's scaling really well for you. So a big question I think I and many other people have when we see your income reports is, what are you doing with all of the money? <laughs> it's a great question. Um, there's a lot of money coming in. And you know, as I just shared, comparatively, there's not a lot of money going out. So we are really um, being very conservative at this point. You know, I, I come from the corporate finance world and I actually came from it at a really good time where I saw the bottom drop out. You know, was, I was there in 2008 uh, and 2009 when, you know, the Dow crashed and, and just, 
Lehman Brothers and Bear Stearns and all these companies just, you know, who thought that they were rock solid one day, the next day, they were literally non-existent. And so, you know, I kind of have eyes wide open at this point. I mean, I know that right now the iron is absolutely on fire and it's just hot. We are striking that iron right now. And this is going to be our biggest month ever for Podcasters Paradise. I mean, just Paradise alone, we're going to generate, it's looking like um, over $225,000 just in Podcasters Paradise revenue for the month of November alone, you know, in a large part because of these great JV webinars that we've been doing and just other things like this latest promotion where we just raised the price of Podcasters Paradise by $165. So what we're really seeing is, you know, the reality that a lot of money's coming in, but I am very, very aware of the fact that everything in life is a cycle. That, you know, right now, Podcasters Paradise is, is rocking and rolling, but this time next year, I mean, I don't even know what if podcasting is going to be rocking and rolling. I would love it to be, you know, I would love it to be rocking and rolling in 10 years and in 20 years, but, you know, I'm just very aware of the cycles of life. I'm very aware of how fast change happens in today's world and how, you know, one day something is so hot, the next day it's completely out of favor. So, you know, all signs in my mind point towards podcasting having a bright and shining future, but I don't want to put all my eggs in that basket. So, you know, as the money comes in, I'm being very conservative. I'm investing in a lot of index funds. You know, I'm building up my bond portfolio. I'm watching, you know, my actual savings account rise to seven figures for the very first time, you know, which was really cool to be able to take a screenshot of my, uh, my bank statements and then email it to my mentor, Jamie Tardy, who has a podcast called The Eventual Millionaire and she only interviews millionaires. And I say, you know, I told her, Jamie, I've officially joined this group, you know, as of a couple months ago. What do you say? So I'm going to be going on her show pretty shortly here, which would be so cool to have her have like a mentee on who came to her with, you know, definitely 120 you know, ish thousand dollars in the bank. So not terrible, but, you know, very quickly got into a career that was looking like, you know, hey, if money comes, it'll come in a long time and probably very slowly to two years later, you know, having socked away over a million dollars and currently generating a quarter million dollars in revenue every single month. So to really kind of sum it up, I mean, I've kind of gone a lot of different directions. I'm being very conservative because I know um, just of the craziness of this world and how things can be here one day, gone tomorrow. So we're really looking to be conservative with the investments, conservative with the money, but at the same time, you know, not taking away from having fun. We have some great trips plans, but overall, we're just uh, we're just watching those numbers rise in the bank account. And I know at this point, maybe my listeners out there have just suddenly thought, "What? wait a minute, that's not even possible for me. And we'll dig more into that in a moment. But one thing for you, listener, to consider is, Whack off a couple zeros, and this might be what's a potential for you in your current place. And then if you keep at it and invest the time and energy and sometimes the money to improve things, you could reach this same level of success. Success is up to you to define. So John, let's look at how you host your podcast and move away from talking about some of the numbers here. You have a really mostly cookie cutter format to every interview where you're asking pretty much the same questions. What do you see as the pros and cons of doing that? I definitely see there's both pros and cons to that. You know, for me, I knew that when I was creating Entrepreneur on Fire that 
I wanted a specific podcast that didn't exist. You know, number one, I wanted that podcast to be seven days a week because I wanted to consume a podcast that was at that quantity. For me, driving to work five days a week, hitting the gym multiple times per week, I knew that I needed to consume that much content to really kind of fill my, quench my thirst, so to speak. And, you know, the reality was too is I would push play on a lot of podcasts that I would have high expectations for. And then they'd just go off on this random tangent uh, off to left field. And, you know, kind of 30 minutes later, you know, they're still talking about two cats, you know, kind of purring at each other. (laughs) And I was just like, man, like this is my 30 minute drive to work. This is the time I had to listen to a podcast and I got no value out of it. So I wanted to combine two things that the quantity of, what actually turned out to be a seven day a week podcast. And then the just being able to predict what was going to come so that when I press the play button or now when my listeners press the play button, they know what they're going to get. They know that they're going to get a failure story of my guest and those lessons learned. They know they're going to get an aha moment and the steps those guests took to turn that aha moment into success. They know they're going to hear my guest's proudest moments, what they're currently kicking out of the park right now. And then also they're going to hear that lightning round with my very standard and I don't think they've changed more than one or two questions in the last 780 episodes, lightning rounds, where I ask, you know, really just specific lightning round type questions. And that's the podcast, you know, that's the format, that's the flow. So those are kind of the pros to it. You know, you know what you're going to get when you hit play, you know, you're going to have another podcast waiting for you the next, the next morning. Um, But there's definitely cons as well. I mean, you know, with that format comes a lot of predictability. With predictability can come boredom, can come confinement, you know, can come really a lack for that moment of genius that, you know, you can get in some podcast episodes, you know, specifically like Howard Stern interviews. You know, he always seems to get to that moment of genius somehow. It might be painful listening to him get to that, but then when he gets to it, you know, it's it's all worthwhile. And so I kind of take out that opportunity. So there's there's definitely cons to, uh, to having a podcast the way that I have it. You know, I think people do get burnt out of listening to that same structure, that same flow. And to be honest with you, I understand. And you know, maybe Entrepreneur on Fire just isn't the podcast for you, you know, but obviously with almost a million unique listens last month, it's for enough people. It's for enough Fire Nation. And that's why I keep producing the podcast daily. By asking these same questions again, you did mention potentially that boredom could set in for listeners and they might move on. But what about for you? What keeps you just on fire asking the same questions over and over? And it seems like for every episode, you're bringing your 100% game to this. (laughs) What helps you to do that? Well, thank you for that, Daniel. I really appreciate it. Um, You know, what it really comes down to is that I don't really look at myself as a massive factor in the interview. And I think that kind of helps when I'm just asking the very similar questions. Like, I don't mind that I'm not really being challenged as an interview host at the time. I really look at myself more as one of Fire Nation. Like, I'm just excited to being able to crack open the journey and the story of my guests. And I want to hear it as much as they do. You know, I want to sit back and say, you know, listen, I know I'm going to ask the same question that I asked the person yesterday, and I'm okay with that because the answer that I'm going to get, the story that I'm going to hear is going to be completely different because everybody has 
a 100% unique failure story. You know, everybody has a 100% different aha moment. You know, when I really hold their feet to the fire and make sure that they tell an actual story and don't get all aerial on us and just kind of, you know, spout out, you know, fail fast, fail forward. And that's one thing that I've really kind of progressed as a host to make sure that I'm doing is really making sure that they understand that, you know, this is about their story. That's what makes Entrepreneur on Fire unique. It's certainly not the format because the format you know, anybody could do the format and, you know, it's, it's a very structured flow, but what makes Entrepreneur on Fire unique is the fact that my guests share that story and their stories are the unique part of it. It's not me. I'm not the unique part. My guests are the unique part. And, you know, I definitely can see where a lot of people would be like, I can never do that. And, you know, there's a lot of things that I can never do that I won't try to do that other people do. But, you know, for me, the actual format works, the flow works. I just love listening to their stories. I love hearing their journeys. And then I kind of love picking them apart afterwards and trying to pull out what I got out of that story for Fire Nation. And that's kind of where I feel a little bit of the freedom kind of come into me as a host where I can say, well, you know what, Daniel, like during that story, this is kind of what I got out of it. But like, what do you want our listeners to get out of it? So to me, that kind of gives a lot more flexibility um, for me as the host and kind of does stave off, you know, what that could onset of just, you know, the next question that I know is coming is. So you know what to expect from each interview, and you look forward to that, and your listeners do as well. There are plenty of critics out there of everything that you're doing, and there will be that. If you don't, if you don't have critics, then you're doing something wrong, really. <laughs> so what do you say to the critics of how you're using the same format over and over and over, and also, in a way, inspiring a lot of copycats? What would you say to the critics? Yeah, see the critics. I mean, listen, numbers don't lie. Um, then the numbers don't lie for revenue. The numbers don't lie for listens. The ranking doesn't lie in iTunes. And you know, it's just a reality that I have found. You know, a system that works. And you know, for for me, you know, kind of an analogy that I could use is, you know, Coca Cola years ago. You know, they tried to change their recipe up into the new Coke, and everybody hated it. They thought it was the worst thing ever. You know, people had become comfortable and they loved the actual Coca-Cola, and they had to go back to it. And, you know, I get emails all the time, Daniel, because my show gets listened to, you know, by, you know, so many people that I get, I just get emails from across the board, you know, people that say, John, I have never missed an episode and I never will miss an episode. Then I get other people that say, John, I listened for a while. I got so tired of that format. I went away from it. I tried listening to other podcasts. And you know what? It's just those other podcasts, they just they just didn't do it for me. And I came back and it was like coming home to your podcast. Like I just got back into the flow. And then I'll get people that'll say, John, I freaking hate your podcast. I'll never <laughs> listen to it again. And I don't actually even, you know, like your voice that much. And you know, to that I'll just smile I'll just reply a little smiley face and say, you know, best of luck in your journey to find that right podcast. I, I really hope the best for you because I do. Because listen, like I know like what I'm doing is working for me, is working for my business. And and that makes me really happy to see the honest and genuine emails that I get from people that are truly being impacted. And you know, like you alluded to, Daniel, there's always going to be critics. And I welcome the critics too, because I'm critical of many things that other people are doing out there, and that's good as well. You know, I think we all 
you need to find our groove, continue to challenge ourselves within the, th- those grooves. You know, that's why I get out there and I speak at conferences. I was up at Creative Live in San Francisco last month, you know, in front of 10,000 people around the world watching me present. I mean, you know, that kind of stuff freaks me out. So, you know, I challenge myself in a lot of different areas, launching Podcasters Paradise, Webinar on Fire. We have a couple really cool things coming up. But with Entrepreneur on Fire, the podcast, like I just love that it's kind of like Tuesdays, you know, which is today. I actually have eight interviews today and I'm going to talk to eight people. I'm going to hear eight journeys and then I'm going to produce, I'm going to produce those stories and I'm going to release them to Fire Nation. And a lot of people are going to love it. A lot of people are going to hate it. And there's going to be a lot of people in the middle. And I'm just going to sit back and say, I hope my, my podcast keeps growing because I love what I'm doing. And you mentioned that this is what's working for you and that's why it's working so well because you found what works for you. And I think a lot of others are trying to do things your way for themselves. It's like going back to your Coke illustration. What if Coke tried to be more like Pepsi? They would fail <laughs> horribly at it. It's best for them to be Coke. And when you came up with your approach and your questions, what inspired you with that particular format? Like, did you imitate something else or did you figure out what would work best for yourself and the template that you would follow for your questions? So one thing that I always talk about, I think is so important is the avatar and that's your one perfect listener. And so for me, when I started coming up with the idea and the concept of Entrepreneur on Fire, I created my avatar, which was pretty easy to do because at the time it was myself. And I said, you know, what would I want to listen to every single morning as I'm jumping in my car, you know, turning on the heater in the cold main winters and having to drive, you know, through traffic to get to work. And I knew again that I was about to, when, as soon as I got to work, like it was game on. Like I had to know that that actual interview was going to be valuable and worthwhile in some way, shape and form. And I knew the ones that were valuable to me were episodes I listened to from Andrew Warner at Mixergy and from Pat Flynn when he was interviewing entrepreneurs where they were actually going back into the stories, into the journeys. It seemed like 90% of the interviews that, that I was listening to, including theirs, were just talking about what was successful right now with the entrepreneur. And I love that, but I'm like, that's so far ahead of me. Like, I'm not even an entrepreneur. I'm not even, you know, I'm just like, you know, wearing a suit and going, you know, to a corporate job every single day. Like, I, I, I can't even imagine what they're doing right now. But every now and then they used to, they would kind of crack back into the person's past and talk about what it was like when they just started, when they failed over and over again. And I was like, man, hearing those type of things, really makes me feel like I can do it too. So I wanted to bring those very rare type glimpses into the past of successful entrepreneurs to an audience every single day. So I said, you know, I I know that I want to start with a failure, you know, and preferably with a failure at the beginning part of my guest journey. And then I also was getting so much value when the guests would actually talk about an idea that they had, but before it even became fruition, like how did they work through it to make it a success? And so that's why I made that the second segment of the show. And then, you know, I realized how important it is to celebrate successes because, you know, we all live in this crazy world. So I wanted to bring in the proudest moment. And then I knew that I really wanted to end with a bang somehow. And to me, that just spoke to the lightning round of just having like really five to six 
powerful, specific questions that my guests knew were always coming at the end. So they always were going to know, oh, this is Brian Tracy. Like, I can't wait for him to, to share his favorite book in the lightning round. Or what, you know, what tool does Michael Port use? You know, all these different things. I wanted my listeners to know they were going to get those definite answers at the end of the lightning round. So it all started off being what I wanted as a listener. But then as soon as I became the podcast host, you know, my avatar had to change and it has since changed quite a bit, um, but the the essence stays the same of who my listener is and what my listener wants. And that's a great approach. It's basically you are getting to ask the same question of all of your heroes. If all of your entrepreneurial heroes are in the same room and you want to find out from them all, how would you answer this question? How would you answer it? How would you answer it? That's basically what you're doing here with Entrepreneur on Fire. Exactly. And you know, one thing that I just love to kind of reiterate is, yes, like I know, like I've heard it a million times, all my questions are the same. Like I get it, believe me, I'm the one that's asking them. (laughs) But don't you understand that every answer is so different and so unique? And to me, that's where the power lies. And to my diehard listeners, that's where the power lies for them too. And for the diehard critics, find a new podcast. It's very much comparing apples to apples with the different entrepreneurial stories. You're finding out, okay, this same thing worked for this person, but it didn't work for this person. And people can start comparing the stories and learning from that and just the comparisons. And so your approach is definitely one that's working for you. And I like that you came up with this as it was what you wanted. And then you discovered that an audience that wants it too, and then some of the other things your audience wants. And that's a great way to go about producing your podcast. Well, I think you brought up a good point too, Daniel, that I think we should touch upon for a second. And that is, you know, the kind of appearance of, you know, the quote unquote copycats, you know, that kind of sprung up and, you know, the, you know, people that have kind of seen what they think is the recipe for success and then just kind of diving at a hook, line and sinker. And, you know, to that, I'll just say, you know, number one, podcasting is a marathon. It's a marathon of just everything that needs to come together. I mean, it took me a long time to become comfortable behind the microphone. You know, it took me a long time to become the kind of host, you know, that I wanted to become. And every single day, I still get a little bit closer to the host that I still want to become. And, you know, that is just a product of actually podcasting. But it's a marathon. You know, there needs to be a marriage of passion and of skill sets. You know, for me, I've always had a fun and enjoyable time just having conversations with people and, and chatting with them about you know their journeys and their stories and really wanting to, to get into that. And so that was my marathon. And it's easy for me to do that every single week, week after week, with Entrepreneur on Fire, you know, coming up on our 800th episode pretty soon here. But, you know, for a lot of people, you know, unfortunately, and this is me in the past as well with different careers, you know, they're looking at their journeys as sprints. You know, they're like, okay, well, I'm just going to do exactly, you know, what John did with seven days a week interviewing successful entrepreneurs, asking them the same questions, and then expect to start, you know, pulling in big sponsorships or, or big audiences or whatever it might be. And because they're they're really taking it as that sprint, you know, they're not seeing the same kind of results, getting burnt out and not ever really achieving that type of success that they're hoping for. And, you know, you're definitely seeing a lot of that. So, you know, my advice always to people when they come to me and they share what they're going to do, you know, my answer is always, listen, just make sure something you want to be doing two years from now, three years from now, because, you know, for me, I didn't even catch any kind of modicum of success for the first six months, which nowadays is really quick because the market's more saturated. There's more people that are diving in and more people that are just taking great advantage of this amazing 
medium of podcasting. You know, you see Tim Ferriss, Gary Vaynerchuk, Alex Bloomberg leaving NPR to start his own podcasting thing. You know, there's a lot of big name people diving into the podcasting space. So if you want to get into this, you need to be getting into it for the right reasons, which is because you're passionate about it, you enjoy it, you want to do it for the long term, and you're not expecting any kind of success right off the bat. You're just expecting to grow a slow and steady audience. That's great. And you've had great success at that, like running this marathon. But I would imagine you probably still have some doubts. What doubts do you still struggle with? I definitely still uh, struggle with doubts all the time. I mean, for me, you know, I do struggle with the doubts that, you know, like how much, you know, longer, you know, are there going to be listeners, enough listeners for Entrepreneur on Fire, they're going to continue to make this a worthwhile venture for me, you know, for the seven day a week format. Because, you know, as more people like your Tim Ferriss and your Gary Vaynerchuk's are coming in, you know, that's just continuing to kind of saturate the market and pull potential listeners out towards the fringes and out towards the edges and kind of just spread everything out, you know, like, you know, whatever analogy you want to use here. But, you know, I can remember so clearly, Daniel, when you know, I started podcasting in 2012, which seems like decades ago, but it was only two years ago. There was nothing. I mean, some of the top 20 podcasts, you know, were releasing one podcast a month or one every two months, or some hadn't even been podcasting for a while, but they were still up there just because there seemed to be kind of a lack of competition. And you just, that does not exist anymore. I mean, it is a competitive, it is a fierce landscape in a good way because now everybody's upping their game. You know, they're starting to use the word broadcasting for, you know, professional podcasting. And, you know, it's just just really seemed like there's a lot of things that are coming in. So I know that I have doubts and continue to up my game every single day to make sure that I'm staying, you know, ahead or above or, you know, at least with this great currents of great podcast hosts and great podcasts specifically that are coming out here. I mean, I don't know if you've ever listened to the podcast Serial, Daniel, but you know, it's the fastest podcast to ever reach 5 million downloads and it was launched two months ago. So, you know, what's this next wave of podcasts that are going to come out that are just going to sweep the nation? And, you know, it's just kind of one of those things where, you know, how can I continue to innovate to stay on top? Yeah. And what happens then when someone comes onto your show and they're not bringing their best game? How do you handle it when the interview is just not going well? You can feel that in the interview or maybe afterward you felt like it didn't go well. And how do you communicate that with the guest? It's a great question. And I'll tell you, that's why I really stress and train people to work hard during the pre-interview chat. I'm big on that. I have a really focused pre-interview chat where I ask some legit questions to the guest. And if I'm not getting the right kind of vibe back, you know, I'll even straight up on that pre-interview, I'll say, I don't really feel like you're matching my energy right now. Like, are you sure you want to do this today? Like, we can postpone. You know, I think I have an opening in three months from now, which isn't like a snide comment. It's true. Like, my next opening is three months from now. But I want them to know that, like, listen, like, I'm bringing my A-game today. Fire Nation expects your A-game. If you're not going to bring it, we're not going to do this today. And I've, I have actually had people um, on the pre-interview just being like, yeah, John, I'm just not feeling that well. And I'm like, well, like, good. I'm glad you're sharing that with me. Let's just do this some other time because I want you to bring your best. You know, there's going to be a lot of listeners expecting a lot. Some people are counting on this interview you know, to really start their day or to get them over this hump or this funk that they're in for whatever reason. And to me, that's really important. So the pre-interview chat is key. And I really, you know, I, I really take it to the, to the guest during that pre-interview. That's awesome. And a great way to then give your guest an opportunity to do this again and bring their A-game to it. Yeah. 
What about, since you're interviewing entrepreneurs who are currently alive, what if you could interview anyone in history in your podcast, even if they're now dead, who would you want to interview and why? It would be Ben Franklin. Um, His autobiography is one of my favorite books of all time. I just loved reading his story and you know, way back in the 1700s in Boston and then in Philadelphia and then over in Paris and France and just seeing him, what he did and just continue to innovate, you know, some of his inventions like the Franklin potbelly stove and bifocals and, you know, the, um, what do you call the electric, the lightning rod, you know, that'd be pretty cool being like the lightning rounds, you know, sponsored by (laughs) Ben Franklin's lightning rod, Uh, you know, but just all these, like he was such an inventor. He was such an entrepreneur. He was just such a go-getter. And he was such a hard worker, like all these things I admire about him a lot. And having a conversation with him, I think would be utterly fascinating. You've had a lot of really successful interviews, but what's something that really tries your patience in an interview or some pet peeve that makes you work a lot harder during the interview? And I've had a couple of these and I'll tell you what's pretty funny and enjoyable is that I get a lot of great responses from these exact interviews. And that's when I really focus my guests and I say, listen, you know, Daniel, take us back to a time in your life. Take us to a story of a time that you failed. And, you know, the personal, and then maybe Daniel, you'll start saying, yeah, you know, failure, it's really one of those things, you know, it's, it's, if you, you have to fail to in, in order to improve, just make sure you're failing fast, failing forward. And I'm like, you know, Daniel, like, I get it. Like, you know, we, we all know the one-liners, but let's really take it down to a time that you failed in your life. And, oh, well, yeah, you know, there's been a lot of them and I've always overcome them all. And, you know, they've always made me stronger and better. And I'm like, Daniel, I'm not asking for an overarching view of your actual failures in life. I want you to tell us one story. And I, you know, really, that's my pet peeve is when people refuse to get specific, when they refuse to be like really transparent and tell a true story. And the reason why that does kind of bother me is because every email they get, which are many leading up to their their interview, all share the importance and the focus on story and the fact that if they don't want to tell a story, this is not the interview for them. And so I really hold guest feet to the fire. They do not get away with being vague and you know lacking transparency. And I always get emails the next day from my listeners saying, John, way to hold it to him. Like way to keep Daniel's feet to the fire. You know, don't let him squirm away on those questions. So it kind of works out good sometimes. But I really, you know, I'm not afraid to to really call my guests out when they're just not um, answering uh, the questions I'm asking. I'm laughing at that because I'm remembering when I was on your show, episode 549 at eofire.com slash Daniel J. Lewis. That was one of the questions I struggled with is answering a very specific failure point and giving you a specific story, not because I haven't had a failure, but because I didn't really have a story behind a failure, at least not yet at that point. And so I remember, yeah, having my feet held to the fire there. <laughs> so I, I just felt like we were just replaying the exact same scenario That's funny. over again. Well, looking then to the future of your podcast, how long do you really think Entrepreneur on Fire can continue? Because are you afraid of running out of interviews? Where do you see this going? Well, I definitely will not run out of interviews that I can guarantee you. I get over 100 inbound requests every single month for people looking to be on Entrepreneur on Fire. And at this point, I have a really good system in place um, to kind of, you know, cut off the 25 or so that just are spamming everybody. But then, you know, the, the kind of remaining 75, they have to go through a pretty intense application process. I mean, I'm talking 
like 10 questions, 100 word minimum answers in some of the questions, you know, frankly, um, that I would never do to be on most other podcasts that I can picture. But because of the demands for Entrepreneur on Fire, this is the only way that I can kind of cut through the chaff, so to speak, to get to people that really want to be on and that really have good stories. Because that's kind of the application process is like share what your stories will be. So I can kind of read those and be like, wow, that'll be a great story. So I'll never run out of guess in my opinion, um, just because there's so, so many. And I mean, 365 episodes a year may sound like a lot, but there are thousands and thousands of inspiring and successful entrepreneurs out there and more cropping up every single day. But you know, the reality is I may find at some point that it's time for me to move on to that next adventure in life. You know, I've definitely thought of what could be next. Um, Nothing is pulling at me right now. And again, you know, uh, there's that other phrase that you need to uh, reap the harvest, you know, when it rains or whatever that old farmer's terminology is. But again, right now, Entrepreneur on Fire could not be rocking and rolling more. And I don't want to stop that momentum. And that's one of the huge takeaways I've gotten from so many of my, of my past guests is when you have momentum, you do nothing to get in the way of that momentum because it is so hard to, to build up momentum. That once you have it, you just need to, to ride that momentum for all it's worth. And that's what we're doing right now. We're going to ride that momentum for all it's worth, knowing that everything in life is temporary, knowing that everything in life is cycling. And you know there will be a time in the very near foreseeable future that you know we won't be in this amazing situation and hopefully you know by that time you know I'll have plenty of funds in the bank to really have the freedom to take on that next adventure without having to this time worry about a runway like I had to my first time so you know I definitely see entrepreneur fire continuing for the foreseeable future um, you know, we're going to get to episode 1000 coming up here, which will be pretty fun. And uh, I'll have a pretty exciting announcement for that one, I'm sure. How do you plan to celebrate that 100,000 <laughs> or 1000, that is, if you can 100, say anything? 100,000. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, you know, I, I do, I can't actually say anything only because I don't really have it exactly nailed down what we're going to do. You know, we're still about 200 episodes away from that. So it's a ways out, but it's going to happen in 2015 for sure. And it is a big milestone, you know, to look back and say, wow, like episode one to episode 1000, you know, in, in a little over two and a half years is a pretty exciting accomplishment. And, you know, there'll be, there'll be an announcement on that episode of, you know, what the future is just to kind of fill people in and let people know. And that announcement might be, you know, don't expect any changes anytime soon because we are still loving what we're doing. Um, you know, stay tuned for episode 2000, you know, that might be when an announcement is made, but we'll definitely have that be a special episode. That'll be awesome. I'm looking forward to that. What is a professional skill and a personal skill? So two separate skills here that you still feel that you need to enhance. Okay, well, I'll start with the personal. And this is something that I'm thankful that I'm taking strides towards very actively as we speak. Um, And that's fitness and nutrition. Um, You know, it's something when you just sit behind a desk all day and you have a very, uh, a job that doesn't require any kind of movement besides like clicking a mouse. And, you know, that, to be honest, could be what I, what Entrepreneur on Fire is. Um, but, you know, I live here in San Diego. It's a very health-conscious city and a, a great state for sunshine to get outside. So I just hired, at no small cost, you know, a one-on-one mentor who is a specialist in the uh, health and nutrition sector. His actual name is um, Sean Stevenson of The Model Health Show. Great podcast, great 
entrepreneur, unbelievable fitness and nutrition guy. You know, I've become friends with him over the past couple of months for being on each other's show. You know, another great connection because of a podcasting and just in general, you know, just um, being able um, to have conversations with him. And he's going to be the guy that's going to take my personal fitness and nutrition to the next level. You know, and as far as professional, um, Daniel, it's there's a book I just read that I recommend to anybody called Essentialism which really focuses on just getting down to the essentials. And that's what I don't do right now. September, October, and now most of November have been pretty inefficient months for me. It's been a ton of traveling, conferences, just not having the time to really sit down and focus on what's essential. And because of that, we've let some things kind of some opportunities that really could have been long lasting opportunities kind of slip by, you know, for kind of more short term wins. And I don't like that. So I need to kind of trim the fat. I need to really just kind of start saying no. And I, I love how Derek Sivers, his quote, which I'm starting to live by if it's not a heck yes, it's a no. And so for me coming up in the future, if it's not a heck yes, it's a no. In the few minutes we have left, I'd love to apply. You've given so much already of inspiration and applications, but I want to really specifically apply this to someone out there who is in a similar position where you were a couple years ago. First, what path of steady building toward an income platform would you suggest? So I really think building a pathway towards a steady income would be the following three steps. Very simple steps. It's delivering free, valuable, and consistent content in whatever form best like makes your heart sing, like whatever form works best for you. And again, that's free, valuable, and consistent. Like Daniel, so many people do one of the three. You know, you have a good amount of people that actually do two of the three, but so few people really ever put those three ingredients together and stir that pot up enough to ever have the true success, you know, and that's exactly what Entrepreneur on Fire was. You know, it was free, which is the podcast, uh, valuable, you know, thanks to my guests who are sharing valuable content and consistent every single day. And like that combination made Entrepreneur on Fire the success. So whatever, you know, platform you're going to go towards, you know, it needs to have those three ingredients consistently. What if you woke up tomorrow and Entrepreneur on Fire was gone, you had no email list, no contacts, no audience, no platform whatsoever, and you had to start out with something else. In fact, something so different, it had nothing to do with the entrepreneurial niche. How would you build an audience for a new podcast? It would be something that I've actually become pretty passionate about right now, which is actually my fitness journey and my health and nutrition journey. You know, it's something that I know how important you know sleep and eating right and exercising are, but I've never taken the time to study. I've never taken the time to really break it down. So what I would do is I'd start a podcast, you know, calling it like the John Plan or whatever it would be, where it would just be my journey of researching, of getting guests on my show, you know, that are specialized in different areas of fitness and nutrition and sleep and health and psychology, and just coming up with what I would consider for me, for my body, for where I'm at in my life the best plan possible. But then, you know, the goal would be to allow people to then see what I've done and figure out their own plans about how they could actually live a healthy, exercise full and, you know, sleep worthy life. So that's what you would do. How would you build your audience for that? I build my audience by doing those three steps that I shared uh, earlier in the last question, which is delivering all the content for free, 
making sure that content is as valuable as I was able to make it and doing it incredibly consistently, which I think would be seven days a week because, you know, I've really just taken to the seven day a week format. You know, my other podcast, Quotes on Fire, seven days a week. I just love people being able to know when the podcast and the content is being delivered every single day. So you've had a lot of success here and your numbers certainly show that. They do not lie. And aside from the numbers, because that's just an indication of the success that you've achieved, what really sets you apart from everyone else? And this can be your chance to brag. Uh, I'm giving you that permission. What sets you apart and what has enabled you to succeed like this where others haven't? Your personality, your approach, what's powering all of that? If I could just use three words to uh, kind of say what I think sets me apart from everybody else, they would be speed to implementation. I really believe that I am um, really unique in the fact that I can have an idea and I can have that idea implemented so quickly that it actually turns into a reality so fast. And I've done that with so many different of my successful products like Podcasters Paradise, like Webinar on Fire, um, you know, a couple of other things that I've worked on. I mean, I had an idea for, to write my book podcast launch on a Friday. By Sunday, it was published to Kindle. And you know, since that day, it's been the number one ranked book in all of Amazon on podcasting with over 300 five-star reviews. I mean, so many people have these ideas and then they're just so slow to implementation. And to me, I just take a direct line to implementation. And my speed to implementation is lightning fast. And with your army background, you have a lot of discipline and that's what's really helping you to manage your time to be able to give it that much focus right away. Exactly. John, thank you very much for this. This has been really inspirational. Any closing thoughts for the audience for the Audacity to Podcast? Yeah, I'd love to. You know, there's a lot of realities in life. And the reality that I like to kind of focus on is if you want to be, do. You know, I wanted Daniel to be a podcaster, but I knew that to actually be a podcaster, I was going to have to go through being a really, really bad podcaster and then just being a really bad podcaster and then just being a plain bad podcaster. Like, <laughs> I knew I was going to have to go through all of these steps of being bad. And nobody likes to be bad. But you know, the reality is if you ever want to get good and potentially have the opportunity to become great, you have to actually do it. You know, the first time you turn on a microphone and spoken to it, you know, you weren't an amazing podcaster. And yeah. the first hundred times that I did it, I wasn't even a bad podcaster. I was a really bad podcaster. You know, that's just the reality of what it takes. And, you know, I was willing to be bad. I was willing to, to get the critics and the one-star reviews of people saying how robotic I sounded and, and, you know, how just lacking any kind of skills that I had, which all were true, um, because how could I without actually doing it? But again, my speed implementation, I wasn't going to wait around. I was going to keep getting better and better. And anybody that's listening has that same opportunity. You just have to be willing to be bad. That's great. John Lee Dumas, thank you very much for joining me. Thank you. Wow, what a great conversation that was. I'm really thankful to John Lee Dumas for joining me on the 200th episode of the Audacity to Podcast. I hope you were as inspired from this conversation as I was. You can get the show notes for this at theaudacitytopodcast.com slash JLD success. And check out John's podcast, Entrepreneur on Fire, over at eofire.com. 
please sign up for that email list if you want the podcasting deals over at theaudacitypodcast.com. Comment on the show notes for this episode with how it helped you and inspired you to achieve something greater. And I would love to help you launch or improve your podcast. So contact me through the site. I am very grateful for you listening to the Audacity Podcast. Even if you're new, thank you for listening. Thank you if you've been around for a couple hundred episodes now. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening, for supporting the things I do to try and help you launch and improve your own podcast, for hiring me, for buying my products or services that I offer, like my podcast reviews or consulting or my plugins. Thank you very much for supporting me as I'm trying to support you in podcasting. Let's keep doing this for another 200 episodes. Thus, now that I've given you some of the guts and taught you some of the tools, it's time for you to go launch or improve your own podcast for sharing your passions and finding success. I'm Daniel J. Lewis from theaudacitypodcast.com. Happy Thanksgiving, Merry Christmas, Happy New Year, and thank you for listening for 200 episodes. Wow. Thank you. The Audacity to Podcast is a proud member of Noodle Mix Network. Find more of our award-winning and award-nominated podcasts to make you think, laugh, and succeed at noodle.mx. The Audacity to Podcast is also a proud member of the Tech Podcast Network. If it's tech, it's here. Find more at techpodcasts.com.